with all that pressure on your shoulders. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for giving me all this pressure. Welcome back to another episode of My Wax Museum. Today I'm joined by Loretta Kumire. Fun fact, I'm Alex's 43rd guest, but we're going to skip ahead a little because Alex is coaching me on podcasting since I'm starting up as the new alumni podcast specialist at BYU-Idaho. Very first one. Loretta has lived an incredible life, growing up in Zimbabwe, moving to South Africa, then to England, and ultimately to the United States, where she is studying communications. Remember, after today's episode, to make time in your day, even just five minutes, to listen to someone else's story. Welcome, Loretta, to My Wax Museum. Thank you for having me. So, uh, like I said, we always start with how we know each other. So, if you wouldn't mind telling a little bit about how we met and how we got to uh-huh. here. Um, I was just recently hired on campus as an alumni podcast specialist and I was asked by my boss to kind of find people on campus that can help me with this people who have knowledge on this stuff and I remembered talking at one point a few semesters ago with um, Professor Ang he's from England and he was like very aware of a lot of people like he knows a lot of people he's kind of famous um so i thought he would be a good person to talk to and when i went to meet him he mentioned alex and he was like you need to talk to this guy because you know he knows his stuff and i contacted you on linkedin a very unusual way in 2019 to contact someone because People go to Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, you're lucky I checked my <laughs> LinkedIn that day. <laughs> I went to LinkedIn and lo and behold, and I, you know, send you a message. And here we are. Here we are. So this is this is kind of going to be a little bit interesting because I feel like <laughs> I'm interviewing you, but at the same time, I'm like training you because I'm going to show you yes. how I edit this afterwards and stuff. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's, it's going to be... Kind of a different episode, at least for me, uh, but yeah. I think for everybody else, it's going to be the same kind of cool stories mm-hmm. uh, that, that we always get on here. Um, so why don't you tell us where you're from? Um, I'm originally from Zimbabwe in Harare. That's where I grew up. Hmm. And I moved to South Africa like just after high school. I decided to go there and just kind of test the waters because my sister and her husband were already living there. So I'd go there usually when I was on holiday. And I loved it. And I officially moved there in 2010. Okay. Uh, so that's where I've been living since 2010, really. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, so being from Zimbabwe, Harare. Yes. Um, what was what was it like growing up there? You lived in the city because Harare is one yes, of the bigger cities, the right? City. It's the capital yes. city of Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. What was it like growing up there? For me, it was wonderful. I loved it. Um, I grew up in a single-parent home. And so I had, I went to the best schools, uh, thanks to my mom, who worked very hard. Um, So I remember I would literally drive about an hour to get to school when I was still, like, in kindergarten. Um, And... She'll pick me up at three, come back home. So it was always like a different 
transition, like leaving home, which is kind of not as fancy, I guess. And then um, driving across the city to these like suburban uh, lifestyle homes and be at school and then come back home later in the day. So I had like a different dynamic of friends growing right. up, uh, friends from home and friends from school. Um, but the advantage was I always, since growing up, was able to communicate with different people from everywhere. Right. Um, so that was my advantage. And throughout high school, I just went to schools that were never in my district. <laughs> so I got to meet people early on from like different countries when I was about, I don't know, 10. I remember talking to someone from Japan. Really? And back then it was like you rarely met international people because the world wasn't as it is now. Right. Um, so it was really cool to like meet people who spoke a different language to my own. So I, I reveled in that. I loved it. And that's kind of my childhood growing up amongst different people, different ethnicities. And I liked it. That's awesome. So how, uh, cause I've, I've never thought of Zimbabwe as necessarily like a multicultural place, <laughs> you know, like where, yes. where people from all over the world mm -hmm. are kind of coming together. So what what were students from Japan like? What was somebody from Japan doing in Zimbabwe, and how did that affect you? Yeah, well, most of you know from the friends I had, their parents had moved there for work. Right. Um, some parents were humanitarian um, people, um, social work, so they just had different jobs that they had to do in Africa, hmm. and so most of them obviously would be in Zimbabwe and they would go to these schools and in Zimbabwe they call them group A schools where there's more it's more of a bigger school like with about 2,000 people in a high school and so those kids would be there from all over the world some kids would be diplomatic children hmm. that had parents who worked in embassies and stuff like that so that's kind of what I was exposed to I remember growing up um I had a friend from Angola, a friend from Japan, a friend from Australia, a friend from England. Those were kind of my friends and my own, you know, native Zimbabwean friends. But we were all like a group of people from all over. So that was Holy fun. cow. That is <laughs> way cool. That, I mean, yeah, that that's neat. Uh, how, so interacting with all those different people is... Are there any specific lessons about the world that you learned from that? Yes. Um, and I think at the time, because I was so young, I didn't even understand the own lesson I was learning, if that right. makes any sense. Yeah. Um, but I remember once I had to go to a friend's house for a slumber party. You know, they were big back in the day. Um, and... I think my friend was grounded. I can't remember, but yeah. I think she did something before we all kind of arrived and her parents kind of were going to shut down the party. Oh, really? And so when all of us were busy arriving, um, her parents were scolding her in their native tongue. So we never could understand what they were saying, but you can tell she's getting chewed out. Yeah. Um, and so looking at that, I was so surprised because my naive mind thought, you know, 
oh, other parents from other countries also scold their children. Like they put them in line. Like it was so foreign to me. Right. Um, that the way my parent would discipline me is the same way any parent from anywhere in the world can discipline their child. So I remember going home and be like, my friend was being chewed out by a mom. I didn't know that was a thing. My mom was like, parents are the same all over the world. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not news. But to me, it was interesting to see that because they were always, you know, cordial. They were always pleasant until that time when my mm -hmm. friend, I don't know what she did, but. It was just interesting for me to see that, wow, you can literally be told um, in a different language that you're going out of line. And for me, I, in my little world, it was just us who get to experience right. that, not other people. So that was interesting. That is really interesting. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting realization to see people all over the world are just like me. Yes. Kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you, know, when you realized that, um, have had you ever at that point been out of Zimbabwe? No, no, I'd never. So your world was still it was pretty small, pretty small, yes. Focused on home and Ferrari, just, yeah, right? just literally my little sphere of influence. Um, but seeing that kind of made me realize that oh, you could be, you know, someone from China or from England, but we are the same in the sense because mm -hmm. we're having the same experiences just in different countries and different cultures, obviously, but our lives are kind of intertwined. You know, you right. wake up, you have to go to school just like everybody else. So I think that made me realize that, you know, all around the world, we can be from different places, but we're naturally we're all the same. Right. Uh, we have the same experiences, some very similar and some kind of remote, but we all are tied with the same I don't know, family values. Yeah, we can mm. all kind of relate on some yes. some level. So with school, uh, would you, you you went to school outside of your area. Yes. So and and you were saying your mom worked very hard to yes. make sure that could happen. Yes. Uh, why was that important for her that that happened? Um, my mom was kind of, and I started learning more of these things growing up mm -hmm. and because for some reason, I think when you're a child, your parent is your parent. You don't believe your parent was once a child. You just have this thing of you're just, you've always been a grown up. Mm -hmm. And then when they tell you stories of when they're young, you're like, really? You were once young? Like it's, it's a phenomenon when you're young. Yeah. But growing up, I understood my mom was... Tra a traveler she loved visiting different countries she really? always traveled in her teens she was traveling and doing all sorts of fun stuff she had a more exciting life than mine um so with that i think when we came along as the kids she always told me i want you to learn about other places i want you to be well-versed in worldly matters. Right. I want you to be open-minded. I don't want you to only think this is your life here. And so she expanded that by, you know, allowing us to go to schools outside of our district so that we can learn from other teachers, other students. And that was very valuable for me then. I didn't get it then because obviously you woke up much earlier to travel. So right. that was annoying. But... Overall, it was so that we could have, A, the best education, B, be exposed to other people. Um, 
and not just be content with what you have around right. you, but have an open mind of what's a- out there. And that's what I had growing up. It was a necessity. And she wanted us to be able to, like we spoke English in the home. My sister and I remember right. we did, you know, use the English language, but not to its full extent. Okay. So at these schools, it was compulsory to speak English. You right. could only speak your native tongue outside of the school gates. It was one of the rules. You would get detention. Really? If you weren't speaking the English language, because that was the universal language at the school. So I always spoke English at school. And then when I got home, it just became natural to use it at home more often right. than my own native tongue. And so that was another thing. She wanted us to just be fluent in English huh. uh, from a young age. And so those those schools demanded that right? because there's so many people from all over. So English was the main language. Right. Yeah. So it kind of improved my love or command of the English language. That's awesome. Because mm-hmm. I, I know um, I've had a few friends who've served their missions in yeah. Zimbabwe and they mm-hmm. say, English, you know, for the most part, everybody speaks English. There's also Shona. Yes, Shona, that's my native tongue. You speak Shona then? Yes. That's awesome. Is that that language very Zimbabwe specific or are there other countries in Africa that use it as well? Kind of what's the what's the dialect like? Like the language, the main languages are Shona and Debele and English. Those are like the main languages. There are other languages spoken within the country that I do not even know about hmm. that people speak. Uh, but because I'm from Mashana land, I speak Shana and other people from the Ndebele tribe speak that. Hmm. Majority, those two are the most spoken uh, languages in the country and English, obviously. But there are other underground languages that people speak that I have no idea. I have never been exposed to. But Shona was was my native tongue, and then English became the second language. Right, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, to to be able to learn another language growing up, it just mm-hmm. I think it improves your communication skills. It does so it much, does. right? It does. And so, growing up in Zimbabwe, going to these schools, experiencing these cultures and stuff. When was the first time you left Zimbabwe to see another country? I remember. Um, my mom had like, I think it was a work thing, um, which required us to travel outside and we went to Zambia. Uh, that's like this country next door. And that was my first time leaving the country. We just drove because it's really close. Like our borders are literally, um, very close to each other. And we went there, but I wasn't surprised because everybody in Zambia, you know, they all looked like me. So it wasn't right. really a eye-opener, but it was just that they spoke a different language mm-hmm. and they had different experiences. So that was cool for me to see. But I liked the fact that, oh, you all just look like me. So, hi, but we speak different languages. That's right. the main difference. Right. Um, that was my first time. And then we didn't travel for a while. And then I went to South Africa um, with my granny at one point and that was a whole new world because South Africa is like a melting pot. Right. Um, it's like the, I don't know, the central 
place where everyone kind of goes to from Africa and lots of lots of Africans go there so there are people from all over the world in South Africa so for me that was a kind of way different because I was surprised that people they spoke many multiple languages yeah. like not I didn't have to travel far enough to hear different languages it's literally people walking in the street you hear this language you hear that language and I was like what I was just so used to Shauna in English right so that was pretty cool seeing that I loved it that's awesome so going to Zambia was probably kind of like me coming from Canada to yes. the U.S. where it's oh Almost everything's exactly <laughs> the same, right? Yes, yes. But it's still it's still a different mm -hmm. country. What was one thing, obviously outside of the kind of different languages that they mm -hmm. use in Zambia, what was one thing that maybe surprised you about Zambia? Um, I think it was the food. The food was very different. Really? Uh, yes, the food was different. Um they kind of knew like obviously all african cultures share some form of like common food groups mm -hmm. you know the ones that any other country would but their food is different from what i grew up um having so i liked i think probably that's when i kind of fell in love with food from different countries really cuz it was different at that time i didn't appreciate it it was just, this is different from what I'm used to. Why? And we should all eat the same stuff. But <laughs> but now that I'm older, I'm like, okay, it's kind of cool that other people have their own food groups and right. stuff that they eat that's different from my own diet. So I remember food was different. Um, I can't remember any of what I ate then. But it was really different. It wasn't what I was accustomed to at all. Yeah. That's awesome, though, to, to kind of get that different different experience, right? And obviously, yes. you've expanded since then. Mm -hmm. um, so then going to South Africa, mm -hmm. uh, what was that trip about? Was it just leisure? You were going with your it granny? It was just leisure because my gran, I guess she's the one who bit my mom with the bug of traveling. So it was just literally checking it out. Really? And I wanted to tag along because when I was younger, I was very close to my granny, so... I kind of like to tag along and my mom was fine with it and yeah. we went. Um, that was my first time just seeing the ocean as well. Yeah. Because um, Zimbabwe is landlocked, but South right. Africa has a coast. So that was interesting. I did not want to go in the water. I distinctly remember that. Yeah. Because um, I was terrified. I'd never seen so much water in my life. Um, so that was petrifying. But... I enjoyed being at the beach, but from like a distance. Then right. I was like, I'm not ready for this, but it's really cool to look at. Yeah. So, yeah. so you, on that trip, you didn't go No, go I in the didn't ocean? even try. You just looked no, at it. I eh? just literally sat on the sand and kind of made sandcastles. And I was like, this is, this is my area of expertise. Right, right. <laughs> I'm an architect, not a swimmer. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And uh, so, I mean, that's, that's super cool that it's a hereditary thing that your yes. granny did it your mom did it and now you're traveling mm -hmm. you're exploring and you're interested yes. in these other places so south africa uh earlier you said your sister moved there yes uh why did she move there um so after she got married um back in zim her husband was a statistician mm -hmm. and that was his 
major um, in university. And so he got a job to work for Stats Essay um, in South Africa. And so that's why they moved um, to go stay there. So they were living in Johannesburg at the time. And then they later moved to Pretoria. And that's where they kind of stationed themselves as they, you know, raised their kids. And that's how they ended up just staying there because of his job. Right, right. So that was kind of my port of entry. Whenever I would be on holiday back home, I would go there and just live with them and then go back for school. Right. That was mm -hmm. nice. And do you, so did you go to school in Zim yes, as well? Yes, yes, I did go to school and, in Zim. And uh, what school were you at and what were you studying? Um... So after high school, my, like every holiday that we had in between school, my mother made sure I was doing something. Mm -hmm. I was never going to be at home and watch television all day, which sounds nice, but she didn't advocate for that. So you always had to do something. You had to participate in something. Yeah. And so I remember just... After I finished high school, she was like, okay, what are we going to do with your life while we wait for you to figure out college or whatever you're going to do with yourself? And I was like, I pretty much just want to loaf around, you know. I've been really? in school forever and yeah. I'm done. You know, when you're a teenager, you're like, high school was the worst. But she was like, no, you have to do something. So she enrolled me in a grooming school. Um, and I learned a lot of etiquette huh. table manners like everything from how to speak how to do public speaking um when you're sitting at a table what forks to use that really? whole shebang and kind of how to present yourself to people right it was a school for that you know just because i was a very i was a confident child but i wasn't an extrovert i was very introverted okay and so she kind of could see both of those qualities in me so she i guess thought that this would be a thing that would help me come out of my shell right and so i got i did that for like almost two years really um learning I, everything from things that i didn't learn in school yeah. to you're sitting at a table and there's a million utensils which one do you start with Holy cow. <laughs> I, d I didn't realize there was two years worth of etiquette to learn. I thought it was we have an etiquette night, we teach you what to do, oh, and then no. you're done. It wow. Was, it was a proper school. Like, you had to learn everything. Like, different, um, I think, what can I say, sections of right. just learning about communication, you know, nonverbal cues and stuff like that. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. <laughs> I mean... It seems like your mom has really high expectations and hopes oh, and yes. has really worked for you to be able to yes. fulfill those. That's yes. awesome. That's great. And I mean, I guess when we're recording this, Mother's Day is tomorrow. So yeah, mm, happy Mother's Day to all Yay. the moms out there. Um, wow. Yeah. that I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even know some, so, something like that existed. Oh, it does. Uh, wow. I get that's crazy. That, that's awesome. So then uh, after that, uh, you mentioned you moved to South Africa mm -hmm. in 2010. Yes, yes. And why, why move to South Africa full time? So uh, what happened was in 2007, I was in South Africa on holiday 
with my sister and her in-laws um, we were in Cape Town and back home my mom had an accident which ended up killing her and so when she passed we all flew back um, to Zimbabwe and had the funeral and everything and my sister was like you need to come back and stay with me in South Africa you know there's nothing left for you back home um, I was still like on the fence. I didn't want to leave because I felt like I would be leaving her there. Mm -hmm. So I, I stayed a little bit with my grandmother back home. And after a while, my sister was like, no, you, you just have to move here and you can stay with us and, and we can take care of you. And so I moved officially in 2010. I'd been toying with the idea and then I officially moved there. Um, but it was, I think, just because my mom had passed and I wanted kind of a fresh start as well so that's what ultimately made me think okay I can I can leave now I can start something else and that's how I got to stay with yeah. my sister full time and not just come on holiday when I was there wow that must hmm. have been a good uh good shift to having keeping that family close mm -hmm. right to to putting yourself where your family is right yes is it is it just you and your sister and yes, your family? Yes, yes. Oh, okay. And I think that's why she wanted um, me to be close with her because it's just the two of us. Right. Um, and she's the oldest. Um, and she kind of has been taking care of me anyway from yeah. since we were young. So she felt like she can't do that if she's far away. And obviously right. she probably needed me as well. So right. it was just easier for us to live together right. than be apart, especially through that time. Right. So I, I didn't complain because it's a new country. So I was like, okay, right. I can get to call this home now. So yeah. it was cool. And do you do you call South Africa home now? Is that kind of? Kind of, yes. Yeah. Um, kind of. Like, only because I never used to. That's actually a good question. I never used to. But only because a lot of experiences, like life experiences that have kind of changed my perspective on a right. lot of things have happened while I was in South Africa. So because of that, I kind of feel like it's home. I always feel like Zimbabwe was the training ground right? Um, of who Loretta can be, I guess. And then right. South Africa kind of shaped my views more, solidified my values. And because of that, I feel like, okay, this can be home. That's awesome. And I... I love you talking about how it was a training ground for who Loretta can be, you know, like <laughs> yes. thinking, uh, thinking of your potential, mm -hmm. uh, which potential is something I like to get into kind of in the latter bit of the podcast. Um, and you've had a wealth of experiences yes. already that have really shaped who Loretta mm -hmm. can be. Right. Um, and, and I think that's fantastic. And it's pretty clear too. You come from a family of incredibly strong women, <laughs> Uh, yes. And incredibly curious women going out and exploring the yes. world like that. And uh, and I, I think it's good that you kind of have that bond with your family. Mm -hmm. um, I want to, you know, go from South Africa because obviously you're not in South Africa anymore. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> unless I've been transported. Um, and so how did you how did you come to leave South Africa? Like. Obviously, there's a story there. So what, what happened? Yes. Um, I remember I served my... Well, the reason, like a few months into being in South Africa, I 
met up with some missionaries um, from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I ended up being baptized um, into that church. And after being there for a while, I decided I want to serve a mission like them. You know, they really inspired me. I kind of looked up to the two guys that specifically taught me. Yeah. Um, and I reminded, I remember telling myself, this is pretty cool. Like, do girls get to do this? I remember asking them that question. And they were like, yeah, of course. And they kind of gave me all the information. And I decided, okay, this is what I want to do. Mainly because I thought, how can people have all of this information, um, understanding, direction? And why don't, why, why doesn't the rest of the world know this? Right. So I was like, I need to tell people. People need to know about this. And they were like, yeah, okay, we can, we can help you get there. And so I went to England um, from 2013 to 2014 in the Leeds mission. So the northeast part of England, that's where I was kind of my station. And coming back home, I had a whole different view on the world. I was like, I want to see more. Like I want to experience more. Because when I was told you're going to England, I just assumed, oh, I'll only meet British people and that's right. it. Yeah. But I went there, I met Polish people, I met Africans as well, I met French people, I met people from all over too. And so I was like, oh, that's just like how I grew up, you know, a lot of people living in the same country. And I was like, I wonder what else is out there. Hmm. Um, but I wasn't thinking the United States. I was thinking somewhere else. I right. don't know where, but I was just thinking somewhere. America never came into my mind. I don't know why. Really? But it was never on the list. Yeah. Um, but one of the um, people I met on mission was like, why don't you go to, you know, BYU? You know, it's a school, it's a church school. And, and that back then I was still very new to the whole LDS, um, I don't know, lifestyle, I guess. Right. I didn't know what BYU was. Right. Um, and so... They encouraged me. They're like, you should check it out. Maybe it could be something you want to do. It's you to be around people that have the same values as you. And you can kind of be okay there. Um, you would like it. And so I guess that's when I started looking up the schools. Mm -hmm. And I remember my sister saying the one thing she said that I'll never forget was we were both looking at the schools at the same time. She was like, wow, this school has like a 90% acceptance rate. Yeah. What the heck is that? Like every other university back home, there's no such thing. You like, you don't just get in. Right. You go through, I mean, so many hoops. So she was like, this is interesting. Like maybe you should check it out if they can just accept, you know, 90% people. You're definitely going to get in. Yeah. Um, And so I kind of decided, okay, I'll do this. And then just before I sent out my application, I remember my mission president then sent me an email and said, Loretta, I think you need to look at BYU-Idaho. Um, mm. And I was like, why? I don't even know. What is that? I thought there was just only one. It's yeah. like, this is the same school, but in a different state. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I looked it up because obviously I had no idea. And after just, I don't know, researching and doing my homework, he was like, yeah, I feel like you would fit there more than, than anywhere. Really? Mm-hmm. 
and do you feel like you fit here? That's a good question. Um, yes and no. Yeah. Yes and no. And so on on what levels it is, is it a yes and on what levels is it a no? Um, it's a yes because all of us um, have the same ex- kind of similar experiences. Right. M- predominantly almost everybody, 85% I can say, has served a mission, um, has volunteered, has been away from home, you know, mm-hmm. before just coming to school. Um, so there's that level of, I don't know, maturity that comes with it. Yeah. Um, and the understanding of, you know, other people, depending on where you went. Um, so I like that, like, foundation. Right. And then the no is kind of, there's so many different, um, I think, experiences that for some are not like they can't relate to me a lot of people here can't relate to me um it's it's i think what's the word it's kind of they're very curious you know all the way from africa why right you know why why would you do that that's so far away way to travel and then i'm like it's not different from you leaving your home because we're all away from home mine happens to be you know, a ship right away or an right. airplane right away, but we're not with our families at the right. same time. So, so there's been that. And I think I'm just, I'm just different. Like I'm not like everybody else. Um, I'm like very, very open-minded. Um, so if I were like born and raised in America, for example, I would probably be not as conservative as everybody else. Right. Um, so I have that uh, with me where I always ask the question, why, why, why? Right. Um, I want to know the reasons to things. So I think there, there's a difference. And I've only say this because of the experiences I've had so far just being here that most of the things I've experienced, other people are like, oh, really? I've never even thought of that. And you're right. like, oh. I thought it was normal, but it's right. Not. It's interesting how, I mean, this is something I've seen over and over again mm-hmm. on this show. Is everybody thinks their experience is just well, that's <laughs> just how it is? You yes. know, uh, somebody walks up to you and says, "Wow, that's wild," and you're like, "Well, it happened." <laughs> you know, doesn't everybody have this? You yes. Know? And, and and so it's it's really interesting to be able to hear other people's stories. Mm-hmm because it kind of gives you like you were talking about before that wider perspective right you see the world you had the opportunity uh, to see the world in high school a little bit right with all these different people that you were surrounded by and then and now you've seen more and more of the Mm -hmm. world as you've gotten older right Mm -hmm. and and i think that's really impressive and uh i'm glad that you've found your way to this school because now we get to be (laughs) that's true so it's cool so what are you studying here? I'm currently a communications major. My emphasis is strategic communication or organizational advocacy. The school is trying to change it from advocacy to strategic communication. Okay. So we're all like all the comm majors were always like, so what do we say when people ask us? So I just say both. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Kind of to keep it clear, right? <laughs> yes. It is this one. It's also this one. <laughs> yes. So is is there a is there a real difference 
between strategic and advocacy or is it just kind of a change in name? I'm not sure um, actually, but when I spoke to my faculty mentor, she mentioned that um, they kind of, the school kind of wants the students to, at least the goal is for them to understand how the communications world works. Right. Uh, strategic would be allowing students to be more, I don't know, strategic in how they will, you know, work in the business world or in whatever field they find themselves in, kind of understand how to th be strategic. Right to use strategy to your advantage and the advocacy is kind of for those students who feel like they want to be a part of you know things that can help change the world mm -hmm. like how can they be advocates for other people right so that's kind of the baseline so they're trying to mash it all together but they're still figuring out what to ultimately call it so for now we're just in advocacy and then you pick within that advocacy, who do you want to advocate for? Hmm. Children, women, what do you want to stand for? That's and cool. then that can be your career when, when you graduate. Right, mm -hmm. right. So what do you want to stand for? I have no idea yet. Like I've been thinking about this a lot because um, I was never a communications major anyway. I was a business major. And so it's like shifting my brain from accounts to social change hmm. but for now i think i'm leaning towards women's rights right um that's kind of where i'm leaning towards i haven't decided fully but i like some of the stuff i've already been learning about that so because i feel like if women's rights are adhered to it kind of fixes everything right um if i go to children i feel like okay i can do children but who's raising those kids, you know, parents, right. you know. And so I feel like a woman, if she's, you know, taken care of um, in a social setting or in a community, then I think everyone else can be okay. Right. And obviously you've seen that in your own life, yes. right? Yes, definitely. Uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. That makes sense. I could see you doing that <laughs> uh, for the limited amount that I know you. Uh, probably don't take advice from me. So... So going from there, um, is did you switch to communications for any particular reason, or was it just kind of like, well, maybe business isn't my thing. Let's try this out. Like, what what made that change? That's a very good question. Um, I remember doing economics homework mm -hmm. a couple of semesters ago. And I was literally dying. Um, I did not like economics. I I understood why I was learning it, mm -hmm. but I didn't understand how that will help me as right. Loretta. What is this helping me do? And I remember sitting in class and thinking, this is not for me. Um, and I remember I had asked a lot of friends for help, constantly asked for, f for help regarding economics, the only subject. And I remember thinking, no, this is, this is not my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. And I met with my advisor and she asked me, okay, Loretta, before we switch your major, we need to know why. You know, we don't want to just switch you. Why not business? And what do you want to do after you graduate? And I looked at her and I thought she would think I'm crazy, but I, I decided I'm just going to say it. And I told her, I want to change the world. And I don't think I'm going to change the world doing economics. Hmm. I don't think 
maybe I can, but I think that's the long way to get to that. Right. So I want to change the world. I don't know how, but I want, I don't, I want to change the world. And she looked at me and she was like, oh, okay. Um, what exactly? Cause that's like big. Right. Can you, you know, turn it down a few notches and give me like the little things that you're going to do to get there. And I told her, well, I want to work in policy change. I want to advocate for social change. I don't care what change, but I want to be there. I want to be part of that. And I want to help people understand the things that are available to them. Right. Opportunities that they can uh, be a part of or receive. And I feel like social media has done that for everybody. It, it has changed the world so much. Um, I mean, growing up, I you couldn't even have a phone. And I mean, no one knew what a phone was, a cell phone. Mm-hmm. You know, we always just wrote letters or postcards. Like we didn't have the instant communication. And so I told her, I think social media is the one thing that's already changing the world, but people don't know how to use it. Right. People don't know how to use that to change the world. And that's kind of where I want to come in and help people, businesses understand how they can do that. And she's like, oh, okay. Then you need to talk to somebody because I don't think I can help you with that right now. But I know people that can help you. And she gave me a list of professors on campus that I can talk to who've kind of done extraordinary things um, for themselves. And that's how I met Professor Ang again. Um, and I spent like an hour and a half talking to him. He asked me, Loretta, what do you want to do after you graduate? And I told him, then he's like, well, what were you doing in business? Like, why were you wasting your time there? You need to be a communications major and you need to do advocacy. He just Mm. said it out straight. And I'm like, what is that? And then he kind of explained to me and he said, don't take my word for it. Go home, think about it, you know, evaluate everything, do your research and then come back and tell me what you've decided and so I did that at the same time I was scared because I knew you know business wasn't for me but at the same time I didn't know what I wanted so I was kind of scared to start thinking of changing um, anything so I because I used to frown on people who changed their majors when I first came to school yeah why would you do that that's like horrible yeah just decide So I became that person, and I guess that's anything with life. You have to put yourself in someone else's shoes to understand, mm-hmm. you know, who they really are. And so I thought about it for about six weeks, and I went back to him. I'm like, yes, I am not a business major. Let's do the switch. And I went to my advisor, and we made it official last fall. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And And how have you found found that change has it been fulfilling has it been everything you've (laughs) dreamed of well my dreams were not there yet because they're very big and they're still kind of far away right but it has led me into the path of at least the people i've met so far just in communications department have been people that i should have met a long time ago people that i instantly understood and i kind of they're kind of showing me um, I don't know, the things that I already had, but I didn't know I had, like some of the skills or talents I had. And that's been that's been amazing. So 
I think last semester was my first semester in the communications major and all my teachers were amazing so they really opened my eyes so I'm I'm excited now to be a full-time communications student at first I was kind of like oh, let's see how it goes maybe I'll go back to business you know yeah but now I'm like no I'm not going back you my found eyes, your place. yeah my eyes are opened we're gonna stick this one out that's awesome and so so then now doing doing communications mm-hmm. uh, going forward going out to change the world mm-hmm. uh, who who can Loretta be what is what are your dreams what are your goals what are your hopes and aspirations? My dream is to change the world, but start with the world around me. And that's with my friends. That's with people I've met. You know, just my sphere of influence. Um, and I think I've already done that a little bit lately um, with my social media presence. But... My dream is to work in, not in public office, because that sounds daunting and scary, but kind of, I like being behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, it, when I watch a movie, I'm more interested in the sound guy or the gaffer or, you know, those people. I love looking at credits. That's like my thing. Yeah. <laughs> I watch the credits because those are the people who made it all happen. Yeah. And I remember, um, this is now just sidelining, uh, on my Instagram, I, I follow Ava DuVernay. She's a director. And every time she's filming a movie, she shows you the crew that's helping with that hmm. on her Instagram. So when we watch the movie in the cinema, like the big time movie, she she shows you every time when they're shooting, like the people fixing the cameras, fixing the mics, you know, preparing the grass, like she shows us all those people so that we know that when we go to the cinema and watch A Wrinkle in Time, one of the movies she directed, we know, oh my gosh, I remember seeing people fixing that so that, you know, we can enjoy it. So I like being behind the scenes. I Mm -hmm. like helping to see something manifest itself and be molded into the huge thing that everyone gets to see. So I feel like just public policy, you know, think tanks, understanding how things work, how we can change the world around us is kind of my goals and ambition to do that. And then, you know, the big things can come after that because you cannot have a house without starting from just literally digging up the land for the foundation. Hmm. So I want to be a part of that before I can ring the doorbell. Right. That's awesome. That is so cool um, and, and an important perspective. I think it's awesome that, that you pay attention to the credits. I you do. Because with every project, mm-hmm. there's so much that goes into yes, it. Yes, definitely. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. And most people who make things happen are just those background workers. Yes. And, uh, and, and so I think that's fantastic that, that you're working towards being one of those people that mm-hmm. just makes things happen, right? So if you had, to kind of wrap it up here, mm-hmm. if you had to pick one one thing at the end of your life, uh, you're, let's say you're 90, 100 years old. Yes. You're, <laughs> s- you're, you're sitting there looking back, looking back at all the good times. Yeah. 
what was the best time if in your whole life all the way up till your 100th birthday yes yes um the best time would be if i helped people feel better after they met me than they were before they met me feel better about themselves um because i value everybody but i remember people who've changed my life um not necessarily by you know helping me with certain things or the guy who opens the door for you but people who have inspired me are people who i remember and people who i'll always um quote or try and emulate and so i want people to look back and be like yeah loretta was cool but this is how she made me feel this is Mm. how she helped me you know understand this thing or understand this topic i want people to know that it's not about um you know your name in lights it's not about that it's about what difference did you make in the little people around you you know the meaner things um i have this quote i don't know who said it could be cory booker i'm not sure but um it says that you know i don't care about your religion what i care about is how you treat other people because i think sometimes we hide behind you know the certain things that we claim to be a part of but deep down we're not those people so i think you know despite who you are where you're from i don't care if we are different religions or different backgrounds but what what makes you tick i want to know that and if people can look back and be like loretta brought that out in me to help me to become a better person not because i'm better but because i help them see their potential and value yeah i want people to remember me for that that would be cool but i'm not there yet so when this little grasshopper learns then you can say that we got a hundred years so we got time (laughs) that's awesome well Thank you very much for being on my wax museum and for sharing your your story, your journey, thank you, and your experience with me. Thank you for having me, and thank you for listening, not just to the podcast, but to the people around you. Obviously, Loretta is awesome, and she's going to make a great host of this new podcast where she chats with BYU Idaho alumni, inspiring students to overcome trials, embrace challenges, and realize their potential. 